Hi everyone, Benjamin Smith here, pastor of Revealing Truth Ministries, Wesley Chapel. You know, God is always speaking good things to us and he has a word for you today, we are sure of it. Take some time out to listen and we'll be back as soon as we're done. God bless you. I usually don't feel bad. And it was bad just out of nowhere. Um, but everybody say we press through. We pressed through. Yes, I did. I pressed through. So I get up this morning, and there are some things that were still resonating in my spirit that I wanted to convey to you Also, When I came in, I went in the back. I just wanted to get some things straight, different scriptures and stuff like that. Miss Darrell was praying, and something that she said <laughs> left her mouth, went through the speakers, went through that wall, and almost knocked me out of my chair. I don't know why it resonated so hard, but it did. She said something to the effect of, you have to be willing to be willing to be willing. I, I, everything that I had on my iPad just disappeared and I just, I was in the back, I don't know if, you couldn't see it of course, I was in the back and I was just like, oh my God. We're talking about having the mind of Christ. She says. You have to be willing to be willing to be willing. And then here comes Ashley ministering to us about breakthrough. Breakthrough in your heart, breakthrough in your mind. Acknowledging that he is the God of the, of the breakthrough. But once again, you have to be willing to be willing to be willing to let him prove that out in your life. So I am going to pray and we're going to jump right into it, but I'm going to pray after whatever God has in you, Miss Daryl, and in you, Miss Ashley, to add to that thought. It came out of your mouth, so I'm assuming God has more. It came out of your mouth, so I'm assuming God has more. And then when you're done, you may simply let me know by just walking away, and then I will pray and we'll get started. Mr. Um, so I'll just start with me um, as Pastor Poe. He used to say, um, I'm going to talk about me so nobody gets mad. Um, <laughs> I um, went through a time where I wasn't willing. Um, I really wasn't. I was saying, okay, Lord, okay, but I really wasn't willing. And um, when I say being willing to be willing, being willing, it's just that scripture comes to mind where we, we say we trust in the Lord in Proverbs 3, 5, and 7. We say it, trust in the Lord with all your heart. But I'm like, Lord, I don't even, it's, it's that I don't feel like it. Mm -hmm. So even in that feel like, in that moment, you know, I, I just began to pray and I heard a teaching that talked about just being willing. Sometimes we have to allow our spirits and ask, ask the Lord to allow us to be willing. And willing may be opening up your mouth and saying what God would have you to say. Instead of expressing your frustration or your tired. You know, y'all all know I have four children, um, and that can be a lot. Um, 
being willing to be willing is just, I think it's a posture that you have to have and be okay with it not being perfect. I had to realize that God was still working and he still is working in many areas in my life. And me being willing to do what God would have me to do may have been sending somebody a picture and telling them, hey, have a good morning. That could be me being willing to be willing. And it wasn't always something personal where it was gonna immediately impact me. So I, I, I just believe that Holy Spirit, it says that he's our counselor, our comforter, our friend, the scripture Pastor Benjamin read last Sunday, he does all of those things. But we have to be willing to allow God to work. And even in our frustration for me, I was many times I was frustrated. I started writing down things that I'm thankful for a long time ago. Um, I know I've probably shared that before. I think I'm on like 700 and something. Um, I needed that when in the place that I was in because I didn't want to see any good. It was hard for me to see any good. It was difficult for me to see anything positive in my situation. So I just began to write down those things that were thankful, that I was thankful about. And that allowed me to become willing, to be willing, to be willing. Um, and just, and, and I just have to say this, praying, especially when I didn't want to pray. Sometimes we, you know, we like, oh, well, I'm not in the mood or I don't have the right atmosphere. It's really one thing that I've learned. I just, you have to be willing to seek God in, in any situation, whether you feel that you got the right mindset or not. Um, we have to seek God anyway. Um, out of my frustration probably came some of the greatest moments in my life, um, in my relationship with God. It came through my frustration. Um, and it, wasn't, it didn't sound pretty. It wasn't the, you know, set up the way everybody might want it to have heard it, but it's when I was, that was me being willing. When you're praying out of that place of frustration, anger, hurt, strife, um, unforgiveness, when you're praying from that place, then that's when you're becoming willing. Because you're not waiting for that moment and everything to get perfect. And then I'm afraid. Because you might not ever get to that moment where you feel like things are perfect. And then you're not going to pray. Um, so, <laughs> I definitely, um, I just, I pray that everyone, you know, especially parents, you know, we, Smith Sarah said something to me a long time ago. It was a scripture. I'm sure it's based on scripture. But she said, Miss Daryl, you know, God has graced you to be a parent. And as you continue to parent, he's going to give you the next grace and a new grace and a new grace. And I have to be willing to receive that. At that time and that season, when my girls were 10 and younger, even though they were easy at the end. <laughs> um, I didn't realize it then. <laughs> they, were, they were easy at the end. Amen. Bless the Lord. Um, but I just remember that. So that's, you know, I just pray that you are blessed by everything that. Pastor Benjamin is teaching along with what 
that phrase, being willing to be willing. Um, I didn't make it up. I'm sure I heard it somewhere. So I'm not taking ownership of it. Um, and that's the other thing. Being willing also, putting that word in your spirit. Um, sometimes you just need to have it planned. Um, confessions, that makes you willing to be willing to be willing. <laughs> confessions. Um, so, Willing to be willing to be willing. It's a lot that goes with that um, for me. Um, but I would just say, even for this weekend, willing to be willing to be willing. Um, I was having a conversation with the Duval family on Friday night, and they were talking, we were talking about servanthood. And the nugget for us was saying that servanthood is planning your day, figuring out what you want to do, how you want to do it, and putting that on pause to go meet the needs of someone or something else. And so had my weekend kind of planned, and from the moment I got up, servanthood was on the list. And, you know, it's like you have things that you have in your day. You know, I, I, I value preparing for you all week after week day by day it's not a thing that's just a oh okay what we doing and so the task for servanthood yesterday um for me at the time was something that was going to be like oh well lord you know my schedule you know that typically i'm home by this time so i'm doing this or whatever um saturday nights are just something really personal for me to just lock in and just have more quiet time and just be focused um so the task for servanthood was like a, it's completely, it was completely different, but the willing to be willing to be willing is knowing that God knows all about your schedule and your plan and what you desire and what you're assigned to do and what that entails. But if you're willing to be willing to be willing, he will grace you, just like Ms. Daryl said, in the area of what he's already called you to do. He'll equip you, he'll prepare you. And so even as I was preparing for servanthood and changing lanes and doing that, I'm like, okay, well, what does this look like? And how does this look? Even going through the song selection, I was like, oh, I don't know about that one. You know, you, I have moments like though. I don't know about that one. It's just, you know, it's just me and Jesus up here on Sunday, Lord. But being willing to be willing to be willing is knowing like it's not about you. It's not about your preference. It's not about if you feel like you can sing the song or if it's out of your range or if it's too high or if it's uncomfortable or if there's no track available, be willing to be willing to be willing because it's beyond me. So that's my reminder of that, that it's beyond you, what God is asking you to do. When he tells us to send that message, when he tells us to reach out to that coworker, it's beyond us. A lot of times it has nothing to do with us, nothing to do with how we feel about that person or whatever. It's beyond us. And so that's my willing to be willing is that it's never about me. It's always going to be about God. It's always going to be about him getting the credit and the glory. And as long as he gets the credit and the glory, I don't care how I sound. I don't care how I feel about it. I don't care if I like the song, but if he gets the glory that's what it is for me and that's my life so I commit to that yeah willing to be willing to be willing on that note with that in your spirit 
that each and every each and every one of us it's not just being willing sometimes you have to will yourself to be willing and push yourself beyond where you are to be willing to even consider that possibly God might be able to do what he say he'll do let's pray God I thank you for each and every person here we never take it for granted this opportunity that we have to come and minister together I pray that you give me your inner wisdom to speak life into each and every person and that everybody under the sound of my voice will get something out of the message today they can use. They can use this message and make their lives better. God, not years from now, not months from now, not weeks from now, not even days from now, but they will be able to use this word and make their lives better immediately. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. As you have your seats we're going to go ahead and make our Bible confession. If you will, take your Bible and please lift your Bible up and say these words. Say, this is my Bible. I can be what it says I can be. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. Every verse is God-breathed. And I aim to live by every word. It is essential to my faith foundation and works to change me from the inside out into the person God has created me to be. That is why I shall never let it go. It is reliable. It is the truth. It is divine. It is the word of God and shall forever be to me my Bible. In Jesus' name, amen. Loved ones, we're going to put before you first the scripture, Romans chapter 8. Easy to read version starting in verse five. We have had some discussions already concerning a war within us. A war within each and every one of us and that war is between our renewed spirit and our flesh. Acknowledging that we cannot defeat the flesh with just willpower. We can't just defeat the flesh cause we want to. We conclude that the Holy Spirit is key, is paramount, is the main thing we need to have in order to claim victory over our flesh. This is what Paul writes in Romans chapter eight, easy to read version, starting in verse five. He says, we who live following people who live following their sinful selves think only about what they want. But those who live following the spirit are thinking about what the spirit wants them to do. Verse six. If here we go, if you are think if your thinking is controlled by your sinful self, there is spiritual death. But if your thinking is controlled by the spirit, there is life and peace. Paul is telling us there that, you know what? If you give the Holy Spirit an opportunity to control your thinking, it will shift your focus from your sinful self to more of a God's way of thinking. Keep in mind, though, this kind of thing doesn't happen automatically. And Paul doesn't hide that from us. He's very clear. He says, yeah, you can have this shift. You can have this change. Your mind can switch this way. But look at that. 
He says, if. The word if there denotes a condition. Put simply, the Holy Spirit can come in and make a significant change in you, but you have to allow the Spirit to do so. Paul also talks about something similar in another scripture that we're that we've been talking about. It's in the book of Philippians. In Philippians chapter two, verse five, we come up with a similar messaging. Check this out. The King James Version says this. Chapter two, verse five, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. Here, Paul is saying, you know what I want you to do? I want you to let the mind of Christ be in you. Take on the mind of Jesus Christ. Given that, guess what? The mind of Jesus is consistent with both the mind of God and the mind of the Holy Spirit. We've been there. This lines up very well with Romans. Basically, what he's saying is, hey, I want you to allow the Holy Spirit or the Spirit of God to step inside of you and guess what? Control your thinking. But just like in Romans, this don't happen just automatically. How do we know that? Because of that three letter word at the beginning that led. That means it's something that you have to do. Once again, it's conditional. Oh, when you think about all these things, the overarching theme is this, that the Holy Spirit can step into, inside of you. The Holy Spirit can be that thing that makes a change in you. But here we go. You have to grant the spirit proper access to your mind. Oh, the spirit can change the way you think, but you have to let it be so. It can change what you do, but you have to let it be so. You say you can't stop using that language that you use. I'm not so sure. The spirit can change the way you talk if you let it be so. In other words. Now, this is going to hit you kind of odd at first, but I promise you it'll set in. When we think about who we are as people. When you think about who you are as an individual, there is something that you need to know, given that you have to get a spirit permission. Watch this image, because we're going to say this together concerning who we are. When we understand that the Holy Spirit can change what we think, what we do, what we say, if we give him proper permission and proper access, this is what you learn. You learn that. We are who we are by our own permission. Let that rest. Say that with me. Say, I am, I am who, I am who I am by my own permission. Oh, yeah. You are who you are by your own permission. If the Holy Spirit leads and guides you, guess what? Your life will reflect God. If what you do is you follow the dictates of the flesh, if the flesh is, if the flesh is your leader, if the flesh is your guide, guess what? You're going to satisfy it. 
the one in you that is the leader and the guide, that's the one that gets all the nourishment. And what you nourish gets stronger while what you starve gets weaker. Exactly. There's no way around that. It all is going to depend on which one is your God. And since you are the one in charge of dispensing the nourishment. You are the, you are the, the gatekeeper of what gets nourished. You do know that, right? Your spirit isn't getting get nourished just because you come to church. You have to be, hey, willing to be willing to be willing to let that thing soak in. Your flesh ain't just getting nourished on its own. Mm-mm. You feeding it. Sometimes with a little spoon, sometimes with a shovel, but you're feeding it. You are who you are by your own permission. Since you are in charge of dispensing the nourishment, either the flesh or the spirit grows stronger in you by your permission. You say to yourself, what does all that mean, Pastor? It means this, that the true controller in you is the one you consistently satisfy. Thus, we say you are what you feed. Say that with me. Say, I am, I am. What, I what I feed. Exactly right. That brings us to the question, of course. This image has the question on it. Which one are you feeding? Inside of you, already in your soul, is the flesh. It's that intrinsic nature. You was born, you was born with that flesh inside your soul. And you have a spirit that lives in that body. And that spirit comes in contact, says yes to Jesus. But the bottom line is, which one are you feeding? Is your flesh strong or is your spirit strong? Whichever one you feed gets stronger, whichever one you starve gets weaker. The question is, which one has what strength in you? You are who you are by your own permission. This is the reality of it all. I'm going to show you four extremes. Because each and every one of us can be placed in one of four extremes. There are four quadrants of four extremes as it relates to your flesh and your spirit. Starting from the bottom left, you can have a weak flesh and a weak spirit. You can have clockwise, a strong flesh and a weak spirit. You can have a strong flesh and a strong spirit. Huh, interesting. And of course, our target area you can have a weak flesh and a strong spirit. We're going to take a moment this session and we're going to take a quick trot through each one of these because I want you to understand them before we move, move further in this series. Let's start off right there with weak flesh and weak spirit. If we were to talk about that in the form of what we feed, what we would say is that condition is Starve, starve. Ain't nothing getting fed. 
You starve in both your flesh and you starve in both your and you starve in your, both your flesh and your spirit. Now, that's a curious case. And for the record, first of all, before we get started with all this, just whatever you want to add in at the beginning of what I'm getting ready to say. If your flesh is weak, but your spirit is weak also, more than likely, your flesh running the show. Because it is you. You were born with it. Your flesh has been your flesh longer than your reborn spirit has been reborn. But when you think about this weak, weak scenario, and we were to try to take some kind of case and stick it in there to give you an example, here is what I would say. Imagine that the person in that case is someone who is basically has no interest in God and are lackadaisical about life in general. I mean, I've met a person like that. I kind of know people like that. Spiritually, they don't welcome and accept God in their life. Listen to what Paul says in Corinthians concerning how the natural man don't care nothing about God. First Corinthians chapter two, Amplified Classic, verse 14. Paul says this. But the natural non-spiritual man does not accept or welcome or admit into his heart the gifts and teachings and revelations of the spirit of God. For they are folly, meaningless nonsense to him. And he is incapable of knowing them, of progressively recognizing, understanding and becoming better acquainted with them because they are spiritually discerned and estimated and appreciated. Don't care nothing about God. In addition to not really wanting to get involved with anything spiritual or anything about God, they just seem to kind of just exist. In many respects, they might appear lazy. Listen to the Old Testament talk about lazy. And if you've ever known a lazy person or a person that you thought was lazy, oh, these going to ring true to you. We're starting in the voice translation of the Bible, Proverbs chapter 26, verses 14 through 15. Listen to what the author says. As a door swings on its hinges and goes nowhere, so a slacker turns over in his bed. Some people are so lazy, they reach for food on the plate but lack the will to bring it up to their mouths. It's hard to get lazier than that. But check this out. Ecclesiastes verse 10, see chapter 10 Verse 18, we're going to bring this single verse out of four translations because they each say something a little different. Starting in the King James Version, Ecclesiastes 10, 18. But much slothfulness, by much slothfulness, the building decayeth, and through idleness of the hands, the house droppeth through. The Message Bible says this. A shiftless man lives in a tumble down shack. A lazy woman ends up with a leaky roof. The voice translation. The roof sags over the head of lazy bones. 
the house leaks because of idle hands. And the easy to read version. I like this one. If someone is too lazy to work, their house will begin to leak and the roof will fall in. That's lazy. In some cases, family, lazy may be inaccurate. The person may actually just be indifferent. Indifferent. And when you think about indifferent and think about a person that's indifferent, if you've ever known one, let me tell you, I know I've known people this way before, too. And if you ever have asked an indifferent person a question, you get that consistent indifferent answer. You ask them, hey, where do you want to go? I don't know. What do you want to eat? I don't care. Do you want to do something? I do whatever you want to do. They're indifferent. Whenever you ask an indifferent person a question, you get an answer that leads you nowhere. You may ask an indifferent person, you mean you just going to sit around and do nothing all day? They say, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe not. They're indifferent. The outward impression is laziness, but in actuality, they're indifferent. The bottom line is this. The person neither cares nothing about pursuing God, nor do they care anything about feeding their flesh. They're indifferent. You know what the reality of that is, though? If they're not pursuing God, the flesh is the governor. Period. A person that's indifferent live their life like a feather in the wind. Go back to our quadrants. We've talked about weak, weak. Now let's move up one and talk about where you have a strong flesh and a weak spirit. We would call this feed starve. In this regard, you are feeding your flesh and starving your spirit. And let me tell you, you are feeding your flesh much good food. In that quadrant, a person can be worldly without restraint. They really don't care nothing about God. Why? Because they're led by their flesh and their flesh naturally doesn't care anything about God. Listen to what Paul says. When you think about the fact that the flesh has an opposing view to what it is God wants you to do. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 17, in the, I think this English Standard Version, ESV, Paul says this. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. 
The flesh is completely opposed to God. Don't care nothing about God. As a matter of fact, the flesh's view of God is like Daniel's description of the northern ruler in Daniel chapter 11. Listen to what Daniel says in the easy to read version. Daniel 11 chapter Daniel 11 verse 37. He says this. That northern king will not care about the gods his ancestors worship. He will not care about the gods women worship. He will not care about any God. Instead, he will praise himself and make himself more important than any God. That's your flesh. Your flesh going to praise itself. Your flesh going to make itself more important than anything you got to think about God. In this extreme, because you are feeding your flesh, your flesh reigns supreme. It just take your little tight, little weak, little pillly spirit and push it to the side and whatever it commands you do. Why? Because the flesh is much stronger. And why is the flesh much stronger? Well, the first of all, the flesh is stronger by your permission. It's stronger because that's the one you're feeding. As the flesh gives commands in its own interest, you follow its orders without second thought. Say that with me. Say without second, thought. without second thought. Oh, man. When you're in this zone, when you have a strong flesh and a weak spirit, you just do what your flesh asks you to do without a second thought. Hey, you are Holy Ghost filled and fire baptized, but you still mean as a snake. Still mean as a snake. Listen. When you are in that zone, you have whatever it is in your spirit, you're not feeding it. And your flesh is so much stronger that you just act on it without a second thought. Loved ones, you will stretch the truth or straight up lie without a second thought. You will cheat without a second thought. You will steal without a second thought. When your flesh is stronger, that's what you will do. Let's talk about this one. When your flesh is stronger, you will break up a happy home. Oh, yeah, you will. And you will do it without a second thought. I know. He's a he's handsome to you. You like his bill. You like the way his voice resonate when it come out of his mouth, got that baritone in it. But you know he married. You see the ring on his finger. Every time you go in his office, you see the picture of his family he got on there where they went on vacation all smiling. You know it. You know he off limits. 
but your flesh is stronger in this quadrant. You know you should leave that man alone and keep your relationship what it should be, business. But all of a sudden, when you used to come to work looking regular, now all of a sudden, I don't remember your lips looking that red. I don't remember your face looking that beat made up. As my daughter say, you got to beat your face. Guess what? I don't remember when you talk. I don't remember your voice sounding so sultry. I don't remember your words. I don't remember your eyes batting that much. I don't remember you coming around that much. I don't know. It might be just me, but it seemed like either your wardrobe is losing fabric or you dressed in a little tighter. I don't know if you going to work or going to the club. Come on. You know that man married. He's off limits. But when your flesh is stronger and your spirit is weak, you will do things you know you're not supposed to do without a second thought. I know she's fine. We all can see that. Yeah, she's attractive. She's just your type, too. But she's married. You know she's married. You see the ring on her finger? You see her and her family out at the park and at the beach when you see them around having a good time. They look pretty happy to me. And the reality is they are happy. You have no business trying to wedge your way in there. But guess what? All of a sudden, when you, you, ain't, you ain't got a haircut consistently in three years. All of a sudden, you edged up every week. The only smell you used to have is your soap when you did take a bath. Now you cologne down. We can't even be in the elevator with you. We get a contact from all of the cologne you got on. Then bought a gym membership. Last time you exercised, you were running from somebody. That woman is off limits, and you know she is. But when your flesh is stronger than your spirit, you will do things that you know you're not supposed to do without even giving it a second thought. You know, it's, 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 it's reflective. My example there is reflective of, of, of 2 Samuel chapter 11 when David saw this woman taking a bath while he was standing up on his roof. Look at this, 2 Samuel chapter 11, starting in verse 3. I forget what version that we have, but we're going to, I think it was easy to read version. Yeah, starting start in verse 2 for me. Thank you. 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 2, it says, One evening he, meaning David, got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of his house. From there he saw a woman bathing. Pause right here. She was very beautiful. Okay, she caught his eye. Right now, he's on his roof. She's bathing. You know what? Quite frankly, she bathing out in the open. David saw it. He got eyes. You know what? I don't hold nothing against David right now. He just, he just saw her. 
But doggone it, verse 3, he finna go a little too far. Verse 3. So David sent for his officers and asked them, who is she? Who was she? An officer answered, that is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam. She is the wife, the wife, the wife, the wife, the wife, the wife. She is the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Hit me with verse 4. David sent messengers to go and bring Bathsheba to him. She had just purified herself from her monthly time of bleeding. She went to David. He had sexual relations with her. And then she went back to her house. Put me back on verse three. David knew she was married. In this particular moment of time, this man, I'm going to say it, he is thinking with his spirit and not his spirit. Not only does he know this woman is married, she's married to Uriah, who happens to be a soldier, a loyal soldier to you and your army, David. So not only is he breaking up a happy home, he's breaking up the happy home of someone who's supposed to be down with him. Someone who's supposed to be his boy, so to speak. I know he's the king, but this is a loyal servant of yours. Somebody that carries out your bidding, that goes to war for your kingdom, David. And you got the nerve to do this. But that's what you do when your flesh has control and your spirit is weak. I know who David is, but right now his, his flesh is strong and his spirit is weak. Uriah's wife is a person that David should stay away from. That woman, David, is off limits to you. And that woman is the wife of a loyal soldier in your army. Bring it home for me, pastor. I know that he's attractive to you. I know that he's handsome to you. But your best friend, husband, really? Someone you supposed to be down with, someone that's loyal to you, someone that you done hung out with, someone who's supposed to be in your inner circle. Yeah, I know she looked good to you, but all that aside, your best friend wife, really? It's bad enough that you did it. It don't make it right no matter what. But your best friend, you breaking up your best friend's home, really? And you do it without a second thought. Why? Because that's what you do when you're in that quadrant where your flesh is strong and your spirit is weak. Take me back to my quadrants. When you are in that quadrant where your flesh is strong and your spirit is weak, you know what you will do? You will break a person's trust in a second and won't even blink an eye. When you're there in that quadrant up there, you will ignore all your responsibilities. I want you to, I want you to reflect on a person who has a gambling issue, and guess what? It's payday. 
they get that paycheck. That, that, them digits hit their account, however they get their money. They know, th that man know he got a wife. He know he got two babies in daycare and one in private school. He know the roof is leaking and need repair. He know his wife should be riding better, but got her in that jalopy. He know everything. They got to eat. Baby need clothes. He know you. Listen, cars don't run on air. You got to put gas in them. At least you got to plug them in. But in this quadrant, his flesh is so much stronger that he'd rather take his paycheck and put it on a horse or put it on a car or put it on a boxing match, give it to his bookie that make sure his family's okay. And he does it without a second thought. Why? Because his flesh put that, pushed that little tired, little weak spirit to the side and say, go make that bet. He goes and makes that bet. Why? Because when you have this situation going on, you will convince yourself, you will self-justify. Bad, unwise, stupid, dumb, crazy decisions. You will justify stuff that just ain't, just, it's just wrong. You're supposed to leave her alone, but you're justified. You're supposed to leave him alone, but you're justified. You're supposed to take care of your responsibilities, but you're justified. You shouldn't be stealing in line, but you're justified. You shouldn't be doing any of that stuff, but you're justified. Why? Because your flesh tells you to do it. And your spirit is so weak that it's nothing more than a little piece of lint that your flesh just flick over and say, get out of my face. We finna go and take care of what I want. When you're in this area, you completely tune out or disregard the voice or unction of the Holy Spirit. Remember, we're talking about believers. So I know what I said that, you know, your Holy Ghost filled and fire baptized. But what I'm saying is. You still have to feed your spirit to get it to be strong. Just because you say I do to Jesus and you get the indwelling. You are control and whether or not that indwelling is strong in you or weaken you. You can grow it or you can suppress it in this zone. You are suppressing it. You are determined. To allow your flesh to be strong and your spirit to be weak. This case right here fits into what we talked about some sessions ago in regards to, you know, your flesh is a controller. Your flesh is a dictator. It makes commands, and in this realm, because it's so strong, whatever it asks you to do, you just step up to the plate and do it without hesitation. In this quadrant right here, your flesh is happy as a clam. Let's move to the next one. This one is interesting. You have a strong flesh and a strong spirit. We call this one feed, feed. Yeah, you're feeding your flesh and you're feeding your spirit. You are giving a lot of attention to knowing God, but you are still indulging in fleshly activities and self-interest. 
the fact of the matter is this. You are feeding your spirit godly input. And in you, that is causing turbulence in your conscience. Your adherence to your personal values and morals, they begin to flex and bend as your spirit and your, and your flesh have a little tug of war on the inside of what you should really do. Because you feed in your spirit, guess what? Sometimes your spirit drives you to tell your flesh no, at which point your flesh throws a temper tantrum. Because it don't want you to tell it no. Every time you tell your flesh no, your flesh come up with a different reason why you shouldn't be telling it no. But because you feeding your spirit, all of a sudden, your spirit starting to get a little girth on it too. The spirit drives you to tell your flesh no. And the reason you have that conflict going on is because you desire for a new life, but refuse to let go of the old one. Now, in this case, you are really living that. Guess what? I am Holy Ghost filled and fire baptized, but I'm still mean as a snake. Why? Because you don't want to let go of the snake. You are feeding your spirit enough about God to where you know you're not supposed to be that way. Your character shouldn't be like that. But you know what? That's just the way I am. I ain't going to let nobody push over on me. They don't know where I'm from. I'm from the LBC or wherever you from. I don't know the letters. I'm from. You don't know my people. You don't know me like that. They used to call me Rocket Rob back in the day. You know. You know what I mean? Hey, you know me as Shalita, but they used to call me Shell. You feel me? What is it? Raw leader. You used to call me, you call me, you call me shell leader up here in the church, but back home before I got all Holy Ghost field and fire baptized, I was a raw leader. You feel me? You ain't wanna you ain't wanna touch none of that. Look, when you when you in this zone right here, you still carry that razor in your pocket or in your purse. And guess what? You still quit to cut a jerk of smooth. But you know what? You at least pray for their healing. When you in that zone right there, you still quit to fight. You still have your emotions on your shoulders. You know what? You, you, hey, I'm going to say this right because so, I know it's recorded. You will still knock a knucker out. But you will but you will be repentant. You will be repentant. In that quadrant. You will still sleep around, but you will feel bad about it when you drive home. When you are in that quadrant. You loved ones are residing between two opinions. And the challenge you face is the one that Elijah told the people. 
In 1 Kings, Elijah gave this challenge to the people. Chapter 18, verse 21 in the Message Bible. Elijah, Elijah with a J, challenged the people, how long are you going to sit on the fence? If God is real, is the real God, follow him. If it's Baal, follow him. Make up your minds. Nobody said a word. Nobody made a move. Keep that up there for me. He said, how long are you going to sit on the fence? And when he asked that question, ain't nobody said a word. Ain't nobody make a move. Those people are straddling between two opinions. When you are straddling between two opinions, we call that straddling the fence. And a lot of times when you hear that straddling the fence, what that can what that can do is, you know, it can look as indecision. The problem is the state of indecision. Is. You know. Really a decision. Say this with me. The problem is, is straddling the, the fence appears to be a state of indecision. Yet, Yet indecision, indecision is a decision. Let me show you this. Look at this image. When you are between two opinions, read this for me. Ready? Let's go. When it comes to selecting between two opinions, two options, straddling the fence is a decision to remain on the side you won't let go of. Now let's talk about this because I'm going to I know I jacked that up and read it out loud so it won't come on the audio. When it comes to selecting between two options, straddling the fence is a decision to still remain on the side you won't let go of. I'm going to explain that to you in, in, in a relationship. I'm not talking about. It, it, it's really both cases, but let's just for now, I'm not talking about a person that's chasing a married person because shouldn't be doing that. So just know it, it, it goes with this too, but let's just say it's a guy who's talking to this girl and he's letting her know he, he's interested. They've been dating, they've been going out, but every now and then, you know, her name come up. You know, I don't, I'm trying to scan and make sure I don't use a name that's in here. So I'm not, I'm not going to use a name because I can't, my mind's not working that fast today. It's, is there a Vanessa in here? Thank you, Jesus. So he, he's been talking to you and he's been having a good time. But every now and then, somehow Vanessa's still in the equation. And what he's telling you is, well, he's, he's undecided. Oh, I really do care for you, but I have feelings for her too. He's straddling the fence. And he's trying to get you comfortable with his indecision by making you think that his indecision is really him not making up his mind yet. But his indecision is a decision. He's decided to still stick with Vanessa. Oh, yeah, I'm not saying he don't like you. I'm not saying he ain't got feelings for you. But the simple fact that his foot 
is still on the other side of the fence in Vanessa room in her car. Hey, we in church, but who cares? In her bed, he is not saying he's choosing you. You can't choose me and her. You got to choose one because you straddling the fence is your decision to stay with Vanessa. You trying to get me to hold on. You want your cake and eat it too. Well, the bakery is closed. Look, check this out. I'm going to help you. Your pastor's going to help you. I call myself your papa pastor for a reason. I'm going to help you. Hey, it ain't nothing different. I tell my own children. Listen, if he's straddling the fence, go ahead and help him out. Push him on the other side. I'll make the decision up for you. Let me go ahead and push you back in Vanessa's car with both feet. Push you back in her bed with both feet. Yeah, don't spend no more money on me. Take her to the movies. Take her out to dinner. Listen, I am not a constellation prize. I'm a, I'm a queen. I'm a king's kid. God has called me to be greater. I am not second to nobody. I'm either going to be your first or I'm going to be your nothing. Push his behind back on the other side of that fence. Don't let him tip his toe in. Ooh, that was close. Don't let him tip his. Don't let him dip his toe in your space while still dipping his other foot in her space. You're worth more than that. Straddling, straddling the fence. You might call it indecision. You might think it's not you making a decision, but you making a decision. Your decision is to stay on the side that you won't let go of. Yeah, yeah, she, you know, yeah, she like you. But, and I know this person ain't in here, but she, every now and then, there's stuff that keeps coming up about Raekwon. It ain't no Ray Corner here. I know that for a fact. <laughs> I know one Ray Corner here in another state. But guess what? She 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 still cooks for you. She still has you come over. Hey. She still braids your hair. She still, she, she still tells you how great you are. She still does all the things that stroke your ego, but every now and then she still, where you at? I'm with Raekwon. What's up with that? I'm either your first or I'm your nothing. Listen, my gentleman, my man, my boy, you should think higher of yourself than to be somebody else's second fiddle. I don't want to be, hey, listen, I don't want to be your sloppy seconds. And I'll tighten it up again. I don't want to be your second. I don't care how good you treat me. You straddling the fence. 
And what you're trying to convince me of is the fact that you want to have some, from some fun time with Raekwon and some fun time with me that, you know what, you just kind of in a point of indecision. You need some time to work it out. Just hold on right now. No, I'll go ahead and help you out. You go ahead and help them out. I'm talking to you again like your father. Go ahead and help her out and push her behind back on the other side of that fence. You want to be with Raekwon? Go and be with him. Enjoy yourself. But guess what? You're going to have just one meal. You ain't going to have him on your plate and me on your plate too. This is, this is not a smorgasbord. This is not a cafeteria situation. I'm the main course or you don't get nothing from me. But when you're in that situation where you have that, 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 that strong on strong, where you feeding and feeding, you get that straddling the fence. And in the case where you are straddling the fence and you have a strong flesh and a strong spirit, when you are straddling the fence, guess what? You are still choosing the flesh. Let's look at our last one. This, of course, is our target. Where we have a weak flesh and a strong spirit. We can call this one star feed. Meaning that we are starving our flesh and we're feeding our spirit. In this realm, put my image up there for me. In this realm right there, your flesh loses often. I'm not saying every now and then it won't win, but its win numbers are rapidly declining. Doggone near zero, if not at zero. Because your spirit is strong. You are allowing your Holy Spirit to be your leader and your guider. And guess what? That means the fruit of the spirit abounds in everything you do and in everywhere you go. Why? Because you are constantly in the will of God. Looking back at Romans chapter eight, verse six, where Paul writes, and this is an excerpt from the end. He says, if your thinking is controlled by the spirit, there is life and peace. In this space, the fruit of the spirit just manifests. It manifests because the Holy Spirit in you is primary and strong enough to tell your flesh to bow down. That fruit of the spirit is described in Galatians chapter five. And we are, I think we're probably more likely to have heard it out of the King James version or a version that sounds like that, where it leads in from verse 22 and says, but the fruit of the spirit is, is love, joy, peace, and so on. Check it out in the message Bible, though. 
Listen to what it says, starting in verse 22. But what happens when we live God's way? He brings gifts into our lives much the same, much the same way that fruit appears in an orchard. Things like affection for others, exuberance about life, serenity. We develop a willingness to stick with things, a sense of compassion in the heart, and the conviction that a basic holiness permeates things and people. We find ourselves involved in loyal commitments, not needing to force our way in life, able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. Legalism is helpless in bringing about this. It only gets in the way. Now, we're not going to go through any of those in detail today, but notice what Paul is saying. He's saying legalism or just kind of functionally working your way through the word, you know, mental assent. It's not enough. You can't just have a formula of morals that you follow and this happen. It has to happen because the spirit is really alive and working and strong in you. Legalism won't get it done. This fruit only results from the Holy Spirit having full control. When a person is in this quadrant, they genuinely display this character that it's saying. Just almost, it seems like automatically. That completes my general overview of those four quadrants. And as we pan back and we look at those just from a big picture standpoint, I want to underscore a couple of things. Show me that image again, please. Loved ones, when we're talking about where we can be here between our flesh and our spirit, any situation, any condition, any time you are dealing with any scenario where the spirit is weak, that's not good. And that scenario where you have a strong flesh and a strong spirit, that one is a sneaky one. That scenario, that quadrant, that extreme is extremely toxic to the believer. But we're going to talk about that in more detail next time. For now, here are my closing thoughts to you or for you. The final thought I leave with you is this, and I want to overemphasize it if I can or and say it differently. I can't emphasize it enough. That thought is that an individual is in one of those four quadrants based on which one of those, the flesh or the spirit, it nourishes. He or she nourishes. That puts you there. As you reflect on which quadrant matches your life, and yes, I'm asking you to do that. I'm not just showing you these pretty pictures just so you say, amen, pastor, preach, pastor, speechify. I'm not doing all that. I got more better stuff to do with my time than to come here and just talk to you for you to take it home and throw it in the garbage can. I'm asking you to look at these quadrants and be real with yourself. The worst thing you can do is lie to yourself. Be real with yourself. Which one of these quadrants you fall in? And when you identify the quadrant, I want you to realize this. 
realize, remember, acknowledge. Don't let it slip your mind that whatever quadrant you're in, you are not in that quadrant by accident. The opposite is the case. <laughs> Loved ones, you are who you are by your own permission. You are what you feed. Say that with me. Say, I am, I am who, I am who I am by my own permission. I am what I feed. I love you so much. Let's pray. God, I thank you that each and every person here has the heart to seek you out, to pursue you, to want to be more like you. I know we don't all get it perfect, but my prayer is that everybody here God, that from this moment forward, they put you first in a manner that pushes the flesh down with purpose. Go out of their way to say no to its dictates. Feed their spirit in a manner that the spirit gets stronger. Strong enough to lead and guide them in all that they do. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, that's what God had to say to us today. We pray that it blessed you. As always, we pray that the word of God blesses you, not just years from now or months from now or weeks from now, not even days from now, but we pray that you got something out of the message today that would change your life immediately. God bless you and look forward to chatting with you next time.